The story of the three prodigals tells us that God's grace is greater than all our sins. You may feel that God doesn't care and you're a long way from home, but the Father is looking down the road, waiting for you. Today's topic, Grace Abounding and the Three Prodigals, will warm your heart and put a smile on your face. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the three prodigals. Who on earth are the three prodigals? Well, before we start with the three prodigals, we're going to have a little preamble. We're going to talk about the lost coin, which is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 to 10. This is a continuation of the last part of the program. Luke 15, verses 8 to 10. We talked about the lost sheep. Now we're talking about the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully, diligently, until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me! I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, just get this, would you? There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is, this is quite astounding. God even gets happy. And there's a party going on in, in heaven when the lost coin is found. Now, the lost sheep, it was lost through its own fault. When it was lost, it knew it was lost. Ah, this is different. How can the lost coin know anything? The lost coin doesn't know a thing. The lost coin is lost but doesn't know it. It's lost but it's not its own fault. It's through the fault of somebody else. And it's lost, I would like you to notice, in the house of God. A lot of people lost in the house of God. Want to tell you folks something? I was lost in the house of God. When I was a boy growing up in Australia, I was taken to church for one main reason. My mother was a lot bigger than I was. <laughs> uh, she took me by the ear. I went to church. Did I like church? I hated church. I was lost in the church. And then a, a young man, a little bit older than I was, took care of me. His name was Tom Ludoisi. He said, John Carter is a lost coin. He's lost. He doesn't know he's lost. And he's lost in the church. And he came seeking for me. The Bible tells us in this wonderful story that the, I've got a, a woman that represents the church. She lights a candle, turns on the word of God. That's the candle. And she searches, and at last is a happy, happy thing that happens. The coin is found. And the Bible says that God and the angels are rejoicing. Verse 10 says that. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So apparently, when you talk about religious people, God is not a Pharisee. Now, God is not religious as we think of the term religious. Now we come, here it is. You've been waiting for half an hour. Here we come to the three prodigals. Remember, prodigal means wastefully or recklessly extravagant. Remember, merry with the nard. A pound of it worth at least 50,000, 
$100,000 and she pours it out. All the disciples say, why this waste? Look at Luke 15 verses 11 and 12, please, in the scriptures. I'm going to turn over here to Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 and 12. Now we come to the three prodigals. You've got it now. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me, give me, give me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. I don't have a lot of sympathy for this young guy. He's sort of a bit of a waster. He's young, that doesn't make it bad, but he's selfish and ungrateful. He represents the human heart without the grace of God. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but he believes it's more blessed to receive than to give. In his soul, he says, give me, give me, give me. He's a very selfish, obnoxious young man. He wants his share of the inheritance before the old man is dead. And at this stage in my life, that makes me really annoyed. <laughs> now, I want you to notice this. This young man is lost. People say, no, no, nobody is lost. Everybody is saved uh, until, because Jesus died for everybody. Everybody is saved uh, until they reject salvation. I think that's a lot of phony baloney. Pardon my French. And now he's lost. Now listen to this. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. We're not naturally saved. We're not born in a saved condition. If we were, Jesus would not have said, you've got to be born again. So Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Okay, look at this. It's not saved until we reject. People think this, especially here in Southern California. We're all saved uh, because Jesus died for all. We're all saved until we reject. That's not what the Bible teaches. Here it is. But we're lost uh, until we accept. Can you see the difference? We're not saved uh, until we reject. We're lost, my friends, until we accept. And so here is a young man who hasn't accepted the marvelous grace of God. And when people don't get this truth right, they don't do any evangelism in the church. And that's why the church in many parts of the world is dying because they believe you're saved until you reject. If that is so, don't tell anybody. Don't give them the opportunity of turning down the wonderful gospel. But the Bible teaches we're saved uh, when we accept. Now look at verse 13 here, my friends. Luke 15, verse 13. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. Let me read it again. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So he's the prodigal son. There's no doubt about this. He goes to a far country. I want you to think about this. 
He's a bit like Cain in the Bible. Cain went to the land of Nod. You know what Nod means? It means wanderer, exile, fugitive. It's not a good place to live in. This young man goes away from the father's house. And when you go away, my friends, from the father's house, it's not real good. Like Cain, he goes to the land of Nod. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. It's a land of violence, loneliness, drug-taking, suicides, murders, and hopelessness. That's why Billy Graham, when I heard him preach in Sydney so many years ago, said, you are empty inside, said Billy. He said, you're empty inside. God loves you, and you're empty inside. I don't care who you are. You can be the president of the church. But if you don't know Christ, you're in the land of Nod and you're empty inside. And that's why you're messing up so much. Don't care who you are. We need Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 12, I want you to notice this text because this is a text that most folks that I've met in this part of the world have never read. And those who've read it don't believe it. It says that at that time, this is the greatest evangelist in the history of the world talking, Paul, that at that time you were without Christ, being alienated, aliens, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise. Now, please have a look at this if you don't mind. It says, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, people say, if you don't know, you're safe and you're saved. You're saved until you reject. That's one of the biggest lies that ever came out of hell. The Bible talks about people who are not in Christ and it says, without hope and without God in the world. Why do you think we believe in evangelism? Because of texts like this, without God. If you're without God, and if you're in the land of Nod, it's not too good. And after a while, this young guy in the land of Nod has a great longing for the father's house because he starts to think, and the father doesn't seem too bad. He doesn't seem to be a Scrooge. He doesn't seem to be too hard. Luke chapter 15, 13 and 14. Luke 15, 13 and 14. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. I want to tell you, listen to me. You need a revelation from God to get this. Many people in the church, I've been a pastor for years. I know what I'm talking about. I've pastored the smallest church and I've pastored the biggest churches. And I know this, religion doesn't save, Jesus saves. And I want you to know this, that when you're in the land of Nod and you're bitter, bitter and you're critical and you're fault-finding and you're just sour and you're a pain to everybody and a pain to yourself, is not very nice. 
And so, he's wastefully extravagant. While the money lasted, so did the friends. <laughs> Can you believe? We call him the prodigal son. Big, big, big spender. The older brother said he wasted his money on harlots. But the older brother was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were notorious for lying. Oops. Often the self-righteous are also the biggest liars. There'll be no liars in heaven because liars are bad people. says that in Revelation. Liars can be saved if they repent of their sins. But an unrepentant liar is not going to heaven and I don't care who he is. Now this Jewish boy is in for a bad time. Luke 15, 14 to 16. Luke 15, 14 to 16. When he'd spent all, there arose a severe famine. That always happens. People run out. A famine in that land. He began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Here's a Jewish boy with the pigs. And he would gladly fill his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him a thing. How low can a Jewish boy get? <laughs> they consider pigs to be the worst. But now this boy has run away from the father's house who is in, is in a state of lostness. He's not saved. He's lost. And he's hungry. He's starving, lonely and wretched. This is the state of the sinner without Christ. Why is there so much disillusionment? Why do so many people commit suicide? Why do millions and millions take drugs? I'm not talking about just painkillers. I mean pain, the pain of, of the soul to cover up the, the terrible pain. So I suggest to you, it's not real good in the land of Nod. But then verse 15 and verse 17 is a great text. Chapter 15 and verse 17. But when he came to himself, now just leave this text on the screen. He didn't come to himself by himself. John Wesley called this provenient grace. You cannot come to Christ just when you want to. Oh, no, I can come whenever I like. No, you don't know what you're talking about. It says, when he came to himself, this is the grace of God. He said, how many of my father's hired servants had bread enough and to spare, and I perished with hunger. He came to himself because of abounding grace. The Spirit of God. You can't come to yourself without the grace of God. Here's a person who's got hard, hard heart. And he says, I will come to God when it suits me. Don't be so foolish. We come to God when God draws us. The grace of God had been working in his heart. He was not forgotten. God loved him still because this man received sinners. That's the thing. You can never outrun the love of God. And then verses, I think verses 18 to 20, I think they're the next verses. He says, 
after he's been down with the pigs. Sometimes you've got to get down with the pigs before you want to go home to glory. Some of us haven't been with the pigs long enough. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. (laughs) He's a pretty good old man, isn't he? That's grace. You can never outrun the love of God. You see, the old father had been looking down the road. He'd been missing his boy. He was lonely without him. God's lonely without you. He ran. Old men in those days had too much dignity to run. But the old man runs. The old man runs because he's the biggest prodigal of them all. He's not a prodigal. Yes, he is. Extravagant, abundant, over and beyond. Like Mary, too much, too much perfume. Why this waste? Quite amazing. He's the greatest of all the prodigals. You can never outrun or outshine the love of the Father who in character is the very opposite of the self-righteous, obnoxious Pharisee. The Pharisee, I want you to know this, unlike the Father, is totally obnoxious. When you see him, you say, oh, not again. When he comes walking your direction, you say, oh, Lord, please, what have I done today to deserve this? The old Father is grace personified. In verses 21 to 24, you think it shouldn't be in the Bible. It's so good. 21 to 24. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. (laughs) Put a ring on his hand. Oops. And sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf. Goodness. Bring the fatted calf here. Kill it. And let us eat and be merry for this son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began uh, to be merry. Here's a party. The gospel is the party. The best robe. (laughs) The best ring. The best sandals. He stinks from the pig pen. Make no doubt about it. But grace is is greater than sin. His sin is covered by grace, the gift of God. The party represents the gospel. The gospel is likened to a party, something the Pharisees never understood. They never got it. They never, never, never got it because they were so blind. It has been said there are two great truths that are very hard to comprehend. Look at it. Man is far worse than he ever feared to think. That's talking about you. That's talking about me. He said, I'm a good person. The Bible says, 
All that righteousness is as filthy rags. Man is far worse than he ever feared to think, but God is far better than he ever dared to hope. <laughs> God is far better. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So the first prodigal is this young waster who comes to himself and who was redeemed. The second prodigal is the prodigal of prodigals. That's the father. And the third prodigal is the elder brother. Luke 15, 25 to 28. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry because he was a Pharisee and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Now this boy we shall discover is extravagant in his meanness. Every church has an older brother. Look at verse 28, and then we're going to read a little further. Verse 28, but he was angry. The Pharisees were angry with Jesus because he was with the sinners and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. He represents the Pharisees. Verses 28 and 29 of this chapter. But he was angry, would not go in, therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, listen, lo, these many years I've been serving you. <laughs> I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Who was he fooling? I'm sinless. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I make, might make merry with my friends. Who's this guy? He's the legalist, the professional religionist, the sinless perfectionist, the legalist. No sense of his need, no sense of his sin. He's concerned about the sins of everybody but his own. No need for grace, the greatest of all delusions. This young fellow had been living in a different kind of pig pen. Fumigated, but still a pig pen. And verse 30, notice verse 30. But as soon as this, my brother, no, this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. He's a prodigal. He's a prodigal in his meanness, in his self-righteousness. And we're told in Revelation we don't have time for the text. This is the sin of the last church, the sin of the elder brother. And then verse 31 and 32, please. 31 and 32, he said to him, son. Now Jesus is talking to the Pharisee. Always, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and he's found. There's no record that this boy ever, rep ever repented. I've had many great experiences, none perhaps greater than going to the Hermitage or the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. 
When I've gone there, I've seen the great painting by the great Rembrandt. You notice the hands of the old man? One is a man, one is a female. It takes a man and a woman to represent the heart of the father. And here is the boy who comes back. He got no shoes on. And there, standing in the background, you can see him. There he is. There he is. When this son of yours comes. So here you have in Rembrandt the three prodigals, the old father. <laughs> That's God. Prodigious in his love. The young guy, redeemed by grace, prodigious in his sin. But the elder brother, cold, legalistic, full of religion, who later put Christ on the cross. Now, I've got a message for everybody here today. Here it is. You may feel a long, long way from God. But remember this. There is an old father. There is a young Christ who is looking down the road and he knows your name and he loves you and he died for you. And if you come home with all your stink, he'll put a ring on your finger, sandals on your feet and a robe that covers up the filth. Because the Bible says, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Amen. In the series, This I Believe, Pastor Carter reveals the heart and soul of the Carter Report. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Ten Commandments. I believe in the true gospel. I believe in the last days. I believe in the America that believes in God. I believe in heaven. I believe in evangelism. This, I believe. The seven DVD series, This I Believe, can be yours with a gift of $75 US or $105 Australian. Please write to us at the address on the screen or visit our website at carterreport.org. Time, it takes only a minute to have eternal life. How can you get saved in a minute? It's simple. First, believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Second, accept his free gift of eternal life, and then you're saved. It's not hard, it doesn't take any time. You can be saved in a minute right now. Pray with me, Lord God, I realize that I am a sinner. My sin has separated me from you. I accept that your son, Jesus Christ, died for me. I ask Jesus into my heart. If you prayed this prayer, you are saved. The next thing to do is 
Tell someone. Fellowship with other followers of Jesus. Get baptized. Read your Bible and pray. Choices. We make them every day, all day. The most important choice you will make in your life is whether to choose eternal life or let it pass you by. If you'd like more information about your new life, call the number and visit our website. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.